Good morning and welcome to the Robin Report. I'm your host, Elliot Robin, so get ready to get triggered. Season three of the Robin Report. I'm your host, uh, Elliot Robin, and with me for the first time this season is my expert panel, Marshall, Adam, and Daniel. How are you guys? I'm doing great. We're doing great. Very well. Great. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a little uh, just dealing with that technical difficulty. I don't know what happened. Tested it last night, mm-hmm. but anyway, uh, it, first episode of the season. You know, what yeah. <laughs> Always kinks. Uh, so it is Wednesday, October 18th. This is our official new time slot for the show this season, at least. Uh, and so we hope that it works just as well for everyone tuning in. Back in August, we had our summer special. Uh, and I think it, it went really well. What do you, yeah, what do you think, I, I guys? Love, I love that. It was, it that was, was so fun. much fun. Yeah. It was a great time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, yeah, I, I think it went, it went really well. Had a lot of... Uh, viewers had a lot of comments and a lot of opinions and that's that's what really matters at the end of the day right uh so uh before we it it did take a lot of time for us to plan the show i just want to let people know uh but it was a lot of fun uh and uh there there will be a lot more uh specials throughout the series throughout the robin report so before we get to our five minute recap of the week i know that our fans are dying to hear about your lives guys how have the past two months been what have you guys been up to uh, they've been great. Uh, I sort of hit the ground running with the RSU and jumped right into Frosh. Uh, Frosh this year was uh, unique, and I will let people interpret that for how they choose, but uh, it was a good experience for me to learn how uh, events work and how to run events and what goes on behind the scenes and just, you know, general RSU meetings and, you know, back in school and not much else was happening. Other than that, um, <clears throat> well, unfortunately, my uh, headset's not working, so I'm just going to go ahead and take that right off. But uh, last two months have been uh, a lot of school, uh, you know, a lot of having fun. <laughs> um, midterms right now, they're killing yeah. me, but uh, almost done. We'll get through it. We'll survive. I believe anymore. Uh, yeah. And um, Daniel. Yeah, it's literally just been school starting to pick up right now. Like, once, like, that first month is, like, like school mode isn't on right now and stuff. Like, when you stop thinking about that because you're thinking about, like, extracurricular activities and, like, um, doing stuff with your school and, like... Um, but, yeah, the reading week, that's what hit me hard. I'm like, oh, like, now, gotta, it's, now we have to start doing some readings. Now we got to start paying attention in class and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's certainly been a lot more fun, like, learning, like more specific courses and stuff like that. So, yeah, I just can't wait for the year and for more episodes of the Raven Report. Nice. Yeah. So, um, let's get on with the show then. I'm I'm honestly just so dazed. I missed half my class this morning. Alarms didn't go off. But anyway, we'll get the show into a positive atmosphere. Um, Now, as per Spirit Live rules and regulations, I must let everyone know that all opinions expressed on the show are not those of Ryerson Ryerson faculty, and are only those of the individual commentator. So everything you hear <clears throat> is only by myself, Marshall, Adam, and Daniel. Um, and uh, 
let's start with the recap of the week, guys. Right? The first, uh, we'll start with Jagmeet Singh. He, uh, he won the NDP, uh, NDP leadership race. Mm-hmm. And I know Adam is very happy about that. Yeah, uh, I am an NDP member. I was on their email list for years now. And then when the elections for the leadership this year started rolling, I joined, I got a membership to the party. Um, it was interesting for me to be part of the whole campaign and to uh, to actually cast a vote, which is really cool. And I, I honestly feel like if I, anything I can participate and vote in, I will do because it's it's just, it's a lot of fun to vote. Um I supported Jagmeet Singh. I didn't support him from the get-go. I supported Charlie Angus because I thought he would be good for the party. Um, But then I started to read more into Jagmeet Singh, and I started to read more into his time as a deputy deputy leader of the Ontario Party. And um, I'm very much interested in the auto insurance uh, sector of of provincial politics, and he was very pro... um, he was very anti-insurance lobby, which was very important to me because my mom works against the anti-insurance lobby, and uh, I believe that there should be more for accident uh, victims. Um, and then I started to read more into Jagmeet Singh, and you know he was he was cool, honestly. Like he's a really really cool guy. He's very good looking. He has a lot of charisma. He's got this, you know, young side to him, which I can very much relate to. He's got the whole immigrant come-up story. Um, And for me, what turned me over to him was his very sort of neutral stance on the whole Israel-Palestine issue and his comprehensive reform, one, to uh, support electoral reform, and two, to support, to uh, reform the Ontario pension, uh, federal pension, sorry. And um, I think that... uh, he understands that Canada is an aging population, and he think he the reforms that he, he proposes to the pension plans are very smart. And he's uh, green, and he he will he's looking beyond Stephen Harper's uh, emission projections. And yeah, I just supported him, and he won with fifty three point eight percent in the first round, which was really impressive. So. so for me, the NDP leadership race was almost as exciting as the conservative leadership race for me. I paid uh, very close attention to it right from the get-go. And um, I mean, now I, I'm not an NDP voter and I would never vote NDP. Uh, at least I, I couldn't conceive of it scum. at the time, <laughs> at the moment. Um, and I mean, from the beginning, I, I liked Jagmeet Singh the best. Uh, I later came to favor Charlie Angus and Guy Caron a bit more. Uh, Guy Caron for uh, for economic reasons and Charlie Angus for social reasons, but in the end, uh, didn't really matter too terribly much um, who I liked because I wasn't going to vote. <laughs> um, now Jagmeet, I, I do disagree with him on basically everything. I do like uh, that he has come out in support of free speech, which is very important to me. Um, and he and one area where I often disagree with the conservatives on is the environment. I'm a big environment guy, and I. I like the environment stuff, but uh, um, I, I can see him having a much better chance than any of the other uh, candidates, especially Nikki Ashton, who uh, I didn't even mention prior because I just thought she was so despicable. Basically, ran as a communist, <laughs> and um, I, you know, almost scared me. That woman, um, nasty woman, um, <laughs> and. Um, 
bad hombre. I, uh, I you know, Jag me winning. I, I think it was probably the best option for the party. Um, the best option for the conservatives, possibly, because I think he's really trying to out Trudeau, Trudeau, um, in the sense that uh, it might split the uh, leftist or left of center vote a bit, and um, I'd say that's nice for the conservatives. Um, but in the end, it's really not uh, too consequential for for me, at least at this point in time, right now, at yeah. least. Uh, in terms of like NDP stuff, like it's very like, um, very happy to see Jagmeet Singh come up from the top from the come up top into rising um, federal politics so quickly because as like, everyone knows that like, he's never hold, held any federal position whatsoever but he's been very good as a deputy for Ontario right mm-hmm. and I actually remember I met him when I was in grade 12 I believe like we we had our politics class and so the NDP came in to ask a few questions and they basically explained their platform and stuff like that I remember I asked a particular question because that was at the time when he was very adamant about um, trying to reduce um, car insurance rates more specifically in Brampton just because Brampton has um, one of the highest like uh, insurance rates uh, in the country. Uh, and so it's very good to see like, his policies and stuff like that. And do I expect him to win like, against like, against like, Sheer and Trudeau? Not Probably not, but like it's a very good fresh start to see um, actually for the NDP party because like, let's say after Jack Layton passed away, there wasn't necessarily any true... Um, mantle for someone to pick it up. Like Tom McCord did an okay job, but like we, they can see like reform and like a new view. Okay, might be giving him uh, too much credit. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, saying he did an okay job might be too much credit. Yeah. Uh. But the point being with Jagmeet Singh is like it gives the party a new fresh face, and it, it, the most important thing is it gives the party a platform to target young people, and so that young people can actually get involved in politics, which I think is one of the most important things that we should be doing for this generation. You know. Now, for those who are new to the show or or just forgot, I have the uh, comments on the live stream right here, and as they come up, I will be reading them and we can respond to them. So only one comment so far from our friend Jacob. Um, I don't actually know this guy. I just said my friend is a figure of speech, but uh, he says, uh, you NDP, and uh, I'm inclined to agree with you there, Jacob. <laughs> uh, I'm not. Um, I... The, the the problem with me and the NDP, as long as uh, our current political, uh, as cur- as long as our current electoral uh, system stands, the NDP will never hold government, mm-hmm. unless the Liberal leader is absolutely terrible and the Conservative leader is even worse. The NDP will never hold government. I don't think Jagmeet Singh will win, but I think he might get close to how Leighton um, held the party. Like as an official opposition? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think there is a good chance he'll get back to the official opposition, yeah. but uh, we'll see. By 2019, so much could happen. But the whole mm-hmm. problem with that is it's going to be like for him to get the Quebec vote because as like yeah, Quebec's like yeah, the idea yeah. of like secularism. No, they're, like Quebec's racist. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> Quebec's racist. I, uh, I don't want to generalize, but uh, that's what, you know, the the... Those were the tones in the 95 referendum. Those were the tones with the, uh, what was it called? The act that they tried to pass? The uh, Um, the Religious Freedoms. Oh, that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Religious Freedoms Act. Um, So Quebec has very racist tones. I'm not going to call Quebec racists. I'm sure there are very open-minded Quebecers out there. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a struggle. Hot Uh, take. And and Adam just did a complete 180 (laughs) with his statement. (laughs) So... So moving on to our to our next story of the week, because um, uh, we did spend some some time on Jagmeet Singh, so I'm actually gonna just unfortunately skip over Puerto Rico because uh, they're still basically. I mean, they're still recovering. There was a, a um, 
uh, what was it? Not uh, tornado. Uh, hurricane. 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 Hurricane there. It was a hurricane and, that uh, Puerto Rico was in the eye of. So yeah, mm-hmm. they, it, they, yeah, it's, it's just dismal. And uh, they're still struggling. Uh, and uh, the president tried to help. Some people approved of his methods and some didn't. Um, so we're just going to move on to a bigger deal right now, which is Harvey Weinstein. Uh, that one Jew ruined it for the whole tribe. So, um, let's talk about Harvey Weinstein. Um, you know, it's, it's really terrible. Like I, I, um, I think about just, uh, being in those, uh, the, the shoes of those women. And I mean, I, I obviously can't quite imagine that situation, but I was reading Ashley Judd, I believe's, uh, account of, um, I, I, she was the first woman to come out against Harvey Weinstein. Um, at least in 2017. People had come out against him before, but she was the first one that people really took seriously. And just reading the story of how she thought she was getting her big break, she was quite young at the time, going up to his uh, his hotel room, and she asks if uh, she can, or Harvey asks if he can watch her shower, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just thinking, like, that is so just disgusting to be in a position of power like that, and to take advantage of a young woman like that, and just absolutely vile, and uh, I... You know, it seems like he is on track to get what's coming to him. I don't know if uh, if if he ever really can get what is deserved. Oh, um, justice will not be like... No, no. I don't, I, he won't see justice. His career will definitely... What's the other guy's yeah. name? Not Roman Polanski or whatever? Yeah, Roman Polanski. He, he, apparently there's an allegation that he... Ki- not killed, but like he raped and assaulted some 13-year-old girl. Yeah. Uh, and he ran away for it, but he's still part of the academy. Isn't he still. dead? No, Roman Polanski's oh. alive. No, no, no. Is he's it Roman just, He's just really old. Yeah, Is that no, what I'm thinking of, right? No, you're, uh, yeah, Roman Polanski raped a 13-year-old Shannon Gray, who was... Uh, Up-and-coming child actor or something? Yeah, something like that. And there's some connection to Charles, to Charles Manson. Yeah, it's yeah just uh, I, I believe, don't remember. Uh, he killed Manson her. family had uh, his, his wife killed or something? Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, so Manson family killed Roman Polanski's wife, Roman Polanski goes haywire, yeah. uh, rapes this 13-year-old girl, and it was just, it was terrible, and he went to, um, what, I think Romania, yeah. or somewhere, because there was no extradition treaty mm-hmm. with the yeah. U.S., and he stayed there for like 30-something years, and I, I think he should go to hell, I think Harvey Weinstein should go to hell, yeah. but uh, when it comes to rape, and we had this whole episode on rape culture mm-hmm. and, and sexual assault, justice rarely gets served for, for that. There's so much uh, haze in, in, in all of it. Um, and I think that we are going to discover as more accounts come up in the next few weeks or months or years. I mean, you're hearing things from Justin Bieber, you're hearing things from, um, for a long time, uh, Frodo, sorry, who, who played Frodo? Uh, Elijah Wood. Yeah. Elijah Wood, I believe, um, and Wait, many, he- many other young actors who never gave too much detail, the, uh, almost very cryptic kind of uh, hints at towards uh, not enough that could be like incriminating early. Um, but I think we will see in the next few weeks or months or years that Hollywood and show business in general is mm-hmm. truly just a and you know the, yeah. one of the one of the biggest issues and uh, it's an issue and disrespectful to actual victims mm-hmm. is people who fake fake it yeah. like there was oh, um, that accuse people they, of rape they false yeah false mm-hmm. accuse uh, false accusations because you take um, and yes, I'm about to do this. You take Rene Angelil, Celine's uh, late husband. Mm-hmm. He, in Las Vegas, was accused by a couple of sexually harassing uh, a woman mm-hmm. in an attempt to extort money from them. And obviously, it was uh, false and they went to jail. So it's honestly just very... That's one of the biggest problems that we have in our society. Not only the fact that people are getting raped, but the fact that people are 
making false accusations, which is so disrespectful to people who have actually been raped. For sure. And yeah. I, uh, to put it in context, I mean, false accusations really are not very common. They're very, very rare. Yeah, I was, was going to say that. even one happening is yeah. just... It's, it's career-ending it's, for anybody. It sets the yeah. whole thing off tilt, really, because you, 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 know, you, you falsely accuse, accuse one person of rape. Then it creates a uh, a reason to doubt anybody who doesn't have proof, which is terrible. You know, you don't want to doubt somebody who's yeah. saying they've been raped or sexually assaulted. Um, but you can't, unfortunately, just uh, and then go it just changes the perspective on word. the accused completely. Like, let's yeah. say like the the accused like has not done that thing, it, it they can never recover from that completely. Yeah. Like, and even no. if the, even if the, like, the courts prove that he's innocent, mm-hmm. people are still gonna have that perception that like yeah. he could have done it, and it's like that's even. It's still almost as bad. Like, it's ridiculous. No, the, like I, I definitely agree with that, but I don't think you know. I think that conversation is very much an scapegoat when people are uncomfortable with the idea that you know someone so powerful can be asu- accused of something so terrible. Um, there are definitely people. There are definitely terrible people out there that will take advantage of of, of rich people and, and powerful people and accuse them of false things. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about rape and and sexual assault. False uh, victimhood is not the conversation to throw in there. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's certainly not because the main it ta- issue. It takes yeah. so much away from the, from actual, the problem. actual problem. Yeah. So I definitely I agree, but it's it's just. I would never say it's not yeah. a conversation worth having, but no, it's, no, no. it's certainly it's, it's definitely a conversation worth having on its yeah. own. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't. Yeah, I don't not, think that those are two things that need to be mm-hmm. mixed. Yeah. Um, do I have time to talk about Harvey Weinstein, or do you want to um, move on? Yeah, just some, just a yeah, quick thing. Yeah, uh, I read Cara Delevingne's account mm-hmm. of Harvey Weinstein. I have a huge crush on Cara Delevingne, mm-hmm. but whatever. I used um, to didn't think she was a, she was cute, but like, yeah, you, like when she actually like she had an interview with Hot Ones, where it was like Hot Ones, where she's like eating chicken wings, and like you actually got to know the personality yeah, yeah. and stuff. She's pretty cool. Right? Yeah, no, that's like she's really cool to me, and mm-hmm. like um, she posted this whole thing on Instagram, and it was, it, it just like it, it felt so real for me reading it. Like she was talking about how. Um, she was going to go talk to Harvey Weinstein because he had offered her a role. And then as he as she's walking into his hotel room, Harvey Weinstein's assistant was like, don't be alone with him. Oh, wow. And for me, that just sounds so disgusting that his assistant had to sit there and just take that mm-hmm. and know what how know what's happening. slimy oh, he sad, is. Yeah. And just, you know, warn Kara mm-hmm. to be like, hey, don't, uh, d- don't be alone with him. And um, uh, I was reading... Uh, who was it? Who's that girl that plays um, Grace in Will and Grace? Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. She's oh, uh, Deborah Messing. Yeah, Deborah, Deborah Messing. Thank Messing, you. Yeah. So Deborah Messing posted this whole thing on Twitter, and she was like, "This is the beginning of the end of the Hollywood slime." And she was talking about how you know we've known this for years. Mm-hmm. How power it, hungry. It really is the beginning yeah. and the end. Uh, very, yeah. Yeah. So it's. Um, we know we know how power hungry Hollywood can be, and this hasn't just come out now. So I I, I hope good things will come from these uh, women's terrible experiences, and I I appreciate and respect all the women and and men as well, mm-hmm. and, and people in general that have come out and, and told their stories. I have I have a lot of mm-hmm. um, well, I have sure. a lot of respect for that. And I was and I was actually watching a a, a Lauren Southern uh, video. Um, and she actually mentioned something. Whether whether it's wh- whatever side of the spectrum, political spectrum you're on, this is very, I think, very important. I was actually going to use it for my midterm. But people are very impacted by the behaviors of others and what's seen as socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. So when tons of people in Hollywood know about Harvey's actions because they did, mm-hmm. and no one's speaking up, you're not going to feel very much like speaking up yourself, and you certainly won't. Uh, 
won't feel safe or secure doing so. And you might, you're going to be thinking there must be a pretty damn good reason that Absolutely. nobody's speaking up. And you're right, you're right. Power plus collective silence, Harvey gets away with 20 years yeah. of abuse. And I don't know if any of you saw that uh, clip of Courtney Love. I believe it was Courtney Love uh, about 12 years ago. Uh, she was being interviewed at a red carpet event. Somebody <coughs> asked her, Somebody asked her, you have one piece of advice for young women going into Hollywood. What is it? And she said, uh, don't go to Harvey Weinstein's hotel. Really? And this was, or if, if Harvey Weinstein invites you to his hotel, don't go. Yeah, really? it was 12 years ago. And what, what really crazy. chilled me was um, how cavalier she was about it, which uh, is nothing on her. I think it's just about how normalized it's become in yep. Hollywood. Uh, just don't do thing. it kind of thing. Like, yeah, like she was almost giggling as yeah. she said it, like, um, which is just very chilling. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. So yeah. let's uh, we we do gotta um, and honestly like I'm I'm ready to do an entire second episode on sexual assault and sexual abuse and all that because yeah. it is a big topic that of can course. be that that can be covered in an, another hour but we do have like less than half an hour left to cover our main story which is uh, guns depending on how you look at guns guns are either one of the best or one of the worst man-made inventions. There is a constant debate on whether guns kill people or people kill people with the use of guns. We've seen so many tragedies involving firearms, including Sandy, the Sandy Hook school shooting, the Eaton Center shooting, and most recently, the Vegas massacre. All that, even without mentioning the constant gun violence in cities like Chicago and Detroit. After every major tragedy, though, the conversation restarts. Should we ban guns? Only certain guns? How can we fix this never-ending gun problem? Today, all those questions will be answered. But before we get locked and loaded, I want to remind everyone, Marshall pointed it out, we are live on Facebook, so you can tune in to us there, which hopefully you are doing right now, and comment on the feed to have your thoughts read live on air. So without further ado, let's go to our first question, which is, do guns kill people, or do people kill people, and why? Well, I, I would say yeah. certainly that people kill people. It's um, with various weapons, guns being one of them, um, are are used to take out these these tragic events on innocent people. Um, I see this happening with with nail bombs, with vehicles, with knives, with all manner of weapons. It's it's far more common for it to be guns in the states because of the ease of access. Um, and I think that people often look at it the wrong way. There's a number of perspectives to go about. And now I want to give a little disclaimer. I am not fully, like, pro-gun, per se, and I'm not fully anti-gun control. Um, but I, I do think that there has to be a um, less of a knee-jerk reaction that we need to ban guns after every mass shooting and maybe a closer look in depth at why these shootings are happening in the states, but they don't happen in many uh, Central and Eastern European countries where guns are also just as easy to access. Um, and I mean, certain gun control measures I would imagine would be effective, and certain ones uh, we have seen to be not effective at all. And um, I think it's it's a conversation that takes a lot of nuance if you want to get anywhere. And I, I think, uh, and I don't like to ever be that guy who says both sides are idiots because I think that that's one of the most cowardly things to say in any centrist. debate. Um, and <laughs> yes, as you may know, I don't believe in centrists. Um, uh, it's uh, it's 
you, you can't just it's not a black and white issue really is all it comes down to um so the whole gun control issue in the United States what was uh, it, the whole gun control issue in the United States is what uh sort of converted me to uh leftist and liberalism when i was about 12 years old i watched bowling for columbine in one of my classes and i have never been so angry in my life and i know that it's a really good movie and and it's it's one of the best documentaries i've ever watched i know michael moore is you know the 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 patriarch of 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 liberal trash and he can be very rash sometimes and he can be, you know, so many things, but you know, the the movies for the, for those who haven't seen it, the documentary starts off with uh, Michael Moore going into a bank and trying open trying to open a bank account, and if you open a bank account with them, you get a free gun. And he sort of did that as a very sort of cheeky way to highlight how easy it is to access a gun in uh, in the United States. And for me, there are, there are three big things, and we'll get to them later. And I don't want to take up too much. Is he time. Got like a rifle? Isn't that what? He yeah, has? he gets a rifle. Yeah. He gets a rifle. So I've got I've got three major problems with the uh, the uh, gun control issue in the United States. One, you do not need a semi-automatic weapon or fully automatic weapon ever, ever. You don't. Two, um, the NRA has such a tight hold on the ball sack of Congress that. Um, you know they they have so much influence when it comes to gun control, and they, you know, divide and 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 uh, you know, ha- like hold the Republican side of the aisle hostage with donations to their campaigns when it comes to gun control. And three, it's so ingrained in American culture. You know, my Second Amendment right, my Second Amendment right. And, you know, there are so many guns in America, for Christ's sake. What is it, eight guns per person? 103 guns per 100 people, I believe. Is yeah, what it is. eight guns. I don't know where I got that from. But, yeah, there are more guns than people in the United States. And when you have that many guns, it's just, like, I, I don't even know where to start. If you were to ban weapons, where do they all go? Do you just throw them in a pit? Do mm-hmm. you do whatever? So, there, like, there's so much to deconstruct if you want to have gun reform in the United States. So that... And I think that... Uh, yeah, the, thing, the most important thing about, like, gun control is, like, you just have to look at, like, the American history because, like, in comparison to everyone else, like, in if, if I'm looking at these developed countries that have origins with the British Empire, like Canada, the United States, New Zealand, and Australia, and Britain... Britain and Australia have completely banned um, all their guns and stuff like that. But the argument to suggest that like gun control is going to actually like stop the problem and, and like reduce mass shootings, yeah, it could for sure. But uh, for, if, for people that are going to go insane and like try to like just like kill as many people as they want, but like the problem with like gun control right now is like because like it's rooted into the American Constitution and it's just so difficult to change anything and to make any amendments to the Constitution. And it's just like as you said already, it's just ingrained in American culture to keep that stuff. And I think the idea of like um I understand the idea to have guns in the United States because before maybe like back like when the Constitution was being made, but it's not as um necessary to hold the gun everywhere now if if I think like all big, if America could go for like a full on no gun policy, like it just wouldn't work either. Yeah. Because if anything, you're like I've I saw like a nice like a picture where it was like it was like a dirt path and it shows like two cars that are driving off the path and they put that as the off the path they like that symbolized for criminals who are if a criminal regardless is going to be able to get get access to a gun illegally no matter what. 
but you're just making gun control is just like restricting people was restricting law-abiding citizens that are using their guns responsibly yeah so that's the problem right there like how how do you punish people who you who use guns illegally but not punish people that are using them um in a in an appropriate manner like that's the problem right there so for sure yeah um and uh adam did touch on my on my uh, follow-up question which was uh, should all guns be banned or just certain kinds? So you said that uh, yeah. automatic weapons should be banned, you said? Yeah. yeah. I was very much in support of Obama's uh, gun control legislation. That was one of the things that I supported him 100%. He uh, The premise of his uh, gun reform was to ban any guns with a uh, greater than 10-round uh, magazine. I feel like that's fair, honestly. Um, people talk about how they need guns to protect their, their families, their homes, and I fully respect that. There are some messed up neighborhoods in the United States, mm -hmm. and if everybody's got a gun, you need one too. Like, I, I fully yeah. understand the reality of that. But um, you don't need more than 10 rounds. I, I, I don't think there's a, there's a, a, a situation in, in which you would need a 100-round magazine weapon. Um, but, um, you know, I just, I think that... Uh, you know, it's 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 not that out of this world to want to ban semi-automatic weapons. And whenever you know uh, liberals like me would come out, um, I think that uh, I think that uh, you know it's just uh, impossible to to think that uh, that you know they, they make us sound so stupid. And when we're like, oh, so you don't respect the Constitution, you don't respect your Second Amendment right, whatever. Like, I just I. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm getting flustered and I'm like, just, I think like yeah. our culture and our society changes, right? So like once our, like our, our, our society has advanced further in life, like there's comes to a certain point where like we don't need that stuff. Like an example, like back in the day with like, um, in the dark ages and stuff where like people like would like constantly rape and pillage other people's like, um, existing tribes or, like in nomadic areas. Like we are an organized society right now. Like, yeah, there is some need for some guns for protection and stuff like that. And it's difficult to like make a full on ban or like just like to like to decide for like to, like to allow politicians in in the House and the Senate to like decide, oh like we're gonna ban these particular guns but not these ones. It's, it's yeah. like, it, there's a very it's so difficult to choose how to ban <laughs> yeah. which ones and keep which ones, right? Now and, we've and, we've got another comment from uh Jacob who says seventeen seventy six will commence again. <laughs> I, I see I see Jacob's <laughs> broken the conditioning and also believes that it's over for the globalist. Um, <laughs> so uh and now make I make sure you buy all of his supplements. I have an idea of where, where Jacob stands on the matter. But um now I think I when that. talking about anything uh in terms of legislating it, you need to be very educated and aware of the intricacies uh, and uh all the little um pieces of details about uh, what you're trying to legislate. Now, guns are a bit more complicated because guns are a, they are a complex machine. Um, now, semi-automatic weapons uh, I, I am fine with because I think really most weapons today are at least semi-automatic. I'm fine with banning fully automatic weapons. I, I would consider that uh, any, anything fully automatic, meaning you pull the trigger back and you do not need to let the trigger go. You can keep holding the trigger down and it will keep firing rounds until you run out of ammunition, until your magazine is depleted. Um, sorry, go ahead, continue. Now, I would consider that something that is meant to do damage to a lot of people. Uh, makes a lot of sense in a war. Um, 
but for home defense, self defense, defending your business, it really doesn't make too much more uh, too much sense. Uh, a semi-automatic weapon is simply any weapon where uh, isn't it every you, time you pull, you pull the trigger, the trigger the bullet comes it out? shoots. Uh, that would be most weapons today. We don't really have bolt action or lever action weapons. Um, the action refers to the mechanism which loads a new round into the chamber. And in a semi-automatic weapon, the pull of the trigger mm -hmm. simultaneously fires around and loads a new round into the chamber. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing so, is, though, if you're pulling it as hard as you can, you're almost going to be going as fast as an yeah. as fast as automatic. But you're going to go fast enough, and if you can reload quickly, you can still cause some damage if you wanted to do like a mass shooting or something like that. You you could not in the same way, obviously. But it like, gets to the point where what are you going to do? Get a bolt action rifle? That's something that is get a musket. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something musket. that you need to be trained on. And if you're in the moment defending your home from somebody who wants to hurt you or yeah. your family, a handgun sounds you don't like a you don't have the you don't have the time to be pulling a bolt back and risking it getting jammed and all that all that Look, complications. The 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 idea of that, like you know, load the gunpowder and you know get the fuse and whatever. Like guns are so modernized, and there are guns with fingerprints on them. There are guns with sensors on them. There are guns with like. Holds. There are even tasers that can do a lot more damage than some guns, and and, and not kill the person. And uh, you, you know, would I, you prefer that like police officers like use like different alternatives then instead of resorting to a gun? Then I think we should adopt something like London has, because London's main police force doesn't mm -hmm. have guns, and then they have a special police force that has been trained in to use, use guns. to use mm -hmm. guns, okay. and they are called. They are very very rarely called in, and I believe in something like that. Mm -hmm. So so in that, or if we just go like India with like those massive like. Bamboo sticks, like yeah, I don't think I that's don't the think most that effective here. way here. Really, don't think that would work here. We have things, we have things like wind and snow. <laughs> like it just wouldn't happen. So I think that mentioning London and the way they control it, um, it's very, it's a very broad question. But does gun control work? And how do you? I mean, we've seen it work yes in Australia. No. In Australia, there's been no um, mass shooting since it's done. It's fully automatic. It's done. It's full um, gun control ban because the, I think. That like as incident is what caused everyone to like. All right, it's, we we don't need guns anymore, and so mm -hmm. they, that's it's a complete one eighty. But so we've yeah, we've seen it work good. in Australia, mm -hmm. a island continent slash country that is hardly an island. Only close. Well, it's it's still okay. You're right. Yeah. It's actually technically not an island, yeah. but it is very isolated Island. from any other country. Is the only record me. The, the countries that are nearby are New Zealand and Indonesia and Malaysia Papua and Guinea. Papua New Guinea and Japan. I suppose is relatively close as well. Those are all countries with very strong gun control. So you can have the strictest gun control you want in Australia or any of those other countries I listed because there's no way to get guns into the country. Mm -hmm. um, you look at uh, the states and you've got guns coming in from Mexico. You've got guns coming in from Guatemala through Mexico. And manufacturers as well. Like, yeah. And, you've got guns coming in from within. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I mean, when you've got that kind of situation, it's a lot harder to legislate. And I think that's the reason why I disagree with gun control in, in, most parts because when you ban guns when you legislate weapons away from all people you really aren't you know getting rid of guns you're telling law-abiding people they can't have guns you can't make a law that prevents criminals from having guns yeah um and i think that because these criminals will always have guns 
you need to be able to defend yourself from them and I, you need to be able to defend your home and your family and I'm a huge supporter of castle doctrine at least in the way it's implemented in certain states in the sense that if Which somebody is. comes into your home uh, and that you they're not wanted there and in some states it's like they have to have broken a barrier i.e. like broken like window kicked down your door in some states it's like somebody can be in your backyard which I don't agree with oh like the hold your like what is it hold your that, the standard, standard ground, ground, standard ground. Which, um, I I have mixed feelings on, but I think castle doctrine is fantastic. If somebody comes into my home um, and I don't want them there, they've broken in and I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they're just coming in to ask for some tea. Um, but if they wanted to see, they should have knocked first. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think I should be able to shoot to kill um, because I don't know what they're going to do. And I, I think that, um, and that's, that's a really good system. Sorry, you want to, I, I'm just thinking of defending myself, defending mm -hmm. my, defending my family. Uh, and, yeah, and that's a really good. Um, it's a good way of thinking about it because I I took uh, Krav Maga for five years and unfortunately I stopped of because. You did. Oh, is that the of course Israeli you did. martial arts? Yeah, yeah that's uh, Israeli street defense. It's what they use in the Israeli military. I took it for five years and I unfortunately stopped because I just simply didn't have time to do it with school and everything with university. But what my instructor told me is you do the most amount of damage in the least amount of time. Because you don't know what they're gonna do. You don't know if he has a friend that can come up. You don't like this or is it's, it's, mo for something. it's mainly based on street fighting, right? That's where the mentality is from. But but again, even with somebody coming into your home, you don't know what he's up to. You don't know if he'll pull out a knife. You don't know if he'll pull out a gun. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't know if he'll pull out, pull out a second gun. You don't know if his twenty friends will come at you. You gotta finish. You gotta finish him or her really quickly. Like <laughs> mm -hmm. right? yeah. and, and you don't you don't want to you know. You, you don't, don't want to take the risk. Yeah, and you don't want to bring a knife to a gunfight well, like, either. It, well, it's, like, it's either yeah. you or me, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. And no, I mean, no. you look at things like Krav Maga or Sistema, which is a uh, Russian martial yeah, art. Yeah, I did that too. And those are, well, of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> and those are fantastic systems for defending painful, yourself. Actually. And um, as far as I'm aware, I'm, I'm not super familiar with Krav Maga, but I have looked into it a bit. There is uh, mechanisms within Krav Maga that for teaching you how to deal with somebody with a gun. Yeah. Um, but that, like, Hit you know, if they're guys. 10 feet away from you, there's not much you can do at that point. Um, yeah. Generally, also, he said... Okay, what my instructor also said is that if you can avoid a, a fight, do it. Yeah, if of course. He's yeah. Like, you know, if he's 10 feet away... Okay, what he says is if they're going to kill you, they're going to mm. use a, a sniper from 300 feet away. If they come up to you and point the gun to your head right away, they just want your money or, mm. you know, yeah. your car keys, whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the best option is to just give it to them. Of course, yeah, but for sure. But if you have to protect somebody, then obviously you have to take action, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But, yeah, 10 feet away, you know, there's not much you can do yeah. other than says some psychology just walk try a little try closer and, and then get just keep going like this um, exactly. but you know having your own gun in that case would be much more ideal mm -hmm. uh, yeah. it's not yeah. going to guarantee your survival but um, we, we just got a comment from Logan Knight who says um uh, you got to look at the population and the culture within America of course people yeah, that, need guns to live that's what I was saying and I, I uh, for those who watch the show a lot, you will know that I'm not a big fan of legislation to fix problems. I don't think legislation really... The government kind of sucks at what they do, and they uh, aren't the best at fixing problems. I believe in changing culture, uh, maybe through grassroots movements and things like that. And I think, uh, like what Adam pointed out earlier, where Michael Moore was able to get a, a gun from the bank because yeah. he opened an account, the states, people in the states often, far too often, treat guns as jokes. Yeah. And I think when I mentioned the Central and Eastern European countries earlier, that is one of the core differences, is guns are a big deal over there. I mean, you look at a country like Switzerland, every single male over 18 has a gun, but they are very, very 
um, they take them very, very seriously. Yeah. And that's what's so important. They and, don't, you know, go out and yeah. show yeehaw and shoot yeah, their that's, guns that's, up No, but that's what I imagine. I imagine the, you know, Yosemite Sam in, yeah. like, in, in Texas, you know, listen here, boom. And then, like, you look at a country like Israel, when you finish your service in the military, you take home your gun. Mm-hmm. And they're like Kalashnikovs, like they're, they're you know, they're li- like some serious uh, guns. But also, like, when I wanted, what I wanted to touch on as well is, uh, you know, when it comes to, to guns in the United States, you know, if, if you, if someone breaks into your house, and crime rates in the United States are so much higher, you know, on average than in Canada, and they're, and that could be because of many reasons, you know, higher poverty rates, more people in general, but, um, you know, if you, if you, if somebody breaks into your house, there's so much adrenaline in the situation. You're not going to be like, okay, let me bust out my Krav Maga mm. and, you know, take down this, this person. Um, y- you're going to want to use your gun. And I'm not, I'm not here saying, you know, you shouldn't have a gun, but if you've got like a mini death machine against a guy that's like, give me your money, mm-hmm. it's unnecessary. For sure. And when you have that, when you're, you know, when you've saturated America with that many, you know, fully you know those fully automatic weapons you you create this this culture that you know oh, okay my neighbor's got this big gun i need a bigger gun mm-hmm. and then a bigger gun and a bigger gun and a bigger gun and then yeah, it's a competition and, it, and it's a competition and also it creates the economy for it yeah for sure the gun gun manufacturers make more money off of tragedies because people feel scared and they buy more guns mm-hmm. you know gun um you know as the united states like one of the biggest issues is the uh, gun show um, the gun show loophole. Now, I do believe in legislation to take care of that. Yeah. And I have seen that the gun show loophole is not as much of an epidemic as it's often made out to be. Um, there's a lot of videos of people going into gun shows and kind of exposing the fact that, especially in the northeastern United States, you can't just buy a gun out of yeah, state. Yeah, but New England has always been more progressive. No, I mean, in, sorry, in not northeastern. I didn't mean New England. I meant more so like Chicago or uh, not Illinois, uh, Michigan yeah, and such. Like, when when it's rel- when there are gun issues and when you're more progressive, it's going to be more difficult. Mm-hmm. But if you're in like Arkansas or, or Texas, very conservative, but they don't really have yeah. these big shootings in the southern states there. Well, that's true. I mean, Nevada just happened, mm-hmm. and there was San Bernardino, and there okay, was. But can we agree to one thing that these gun-free zones just straight up will not work? Oh, they won't work. How does make it, people who more comes spiteful? up with these ideas? No, yeah. it, it's it's and. Like, That's like coming to Rice and be like, oh, this is a text free, te- textbook free zone. Yeah. No but we're still going to expect you guys to have like a, at least like a B plus average. Yeah. Like, no the good no idea, Wi-Fi, guys, just like. talk to each other. You know, yeah. Pretend like it's the 90s. Like, yeah. It's not going to work here. No, but, we're only no, using chalk no, but, now. But, no more D12. <laughs> but things like that just make people spiteful. Mm-hmm. You know what? Oh, yeah, I, I, I see your gun-free zone, and I raise you fully automatic weapon. <laughs> You know, that's where the kiss problem my is. It's excessive like, and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. and it's excessive, and like that's what I'm saying. It's so ingrained in the culture. Like, in in Bowling for Columbine, they have Charles Heston, which is a big uh, sort of frontman for the NRA. <laughs> and you know, he's, is he the one that goes into his home? Yeah, yeah that's the one. And uh, Charles, for those who don't know, Charles Heston is the original lead actor in the original Planet of the Apes movies. Oh, yes. And he, the, the famous line from the Planet of the Apes movies is when the apes tried to get him, he's like, you can't take me from my cold, dead hand. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a video of him at this uh, NRA conference, and he's holding up his gun. He's like, you can't take this like, from me from my cold, cold dead hand. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's cheering and they're whatever. And then, you know, 
it, it flashes into a montage of how much money the NRA gives to the government, and you know, it, it, it's it's a lobby that controls you know the the, uh, the the gun industry in the United States, and it's you know it's so militarized and just revolting, mm-hmm. and you have all these huge manufacturers, and they get so much money out of this. It just doesn't make economic sense to have gun reform, and that's why when Obama put this forward, the NRA like basically crapped their pants because they had you know their livelihood at risk and they had um they had their their economic uh gain at risk so it's not a matter of lives no one cares about lives no one cares about blood being spilled blood gets spilled every day all the time with so many other things you know polluted chemicals in water in poor areas and 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 whatever like nobody cares about about human value so it's it's money it's all money it's everyone's personal interest it's all about politicization yeah no, not politically. Well, yeah. I mean, I had a question about that, but part of part of yeah. uh, this this whole thing is this discussion happened because um, of the tragedy, and it got really politicized. And I think that's yeah, that's part of it. I don't think like, we nobody have, cares. Yeah, I don't think we have time to talk about yeah, that. No. But we'll like well, th- that that's a big issue everywhere you go. It's always mm-hmm. like you know, it's all politics. you know, the left was so like I felt like there was a sigh of relief in the left. It's like thank God the guy wasn't a Muslim. And then on the right, it was like, well, you know, this guy was was an honest American. He was a good man. So it, I'm really eager to find out what the motivation of the guy was. I don't know yeah, if it well, but and, like, and there's, it's just yeah. really been on my mind. Like, and there's I mean, so much. Like, yeah, the, like now they're saying he might have had an accomplice and... Mm. He he was going to go to Lollapalooza in Chicago. We may never find out. I don't. I don't, know. Like, I don't we think still don't we know, will. Uh, Charles Whitman's motivation from so, 1966. So yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't want to have to cut anybody off, but we do have to go. Um, it was a great discussion. That was our show for this week. Thank you to everyone that tuned in. Oh, uh, let me just take <laughs> this off. Thank you to everyone that tuned in. Uh, a brand new episode of the Rabin Report will be coming to you next week, hopefully without the same, without the technical issues. Uh, same day, same time, same people. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs>